Hey everybody, here's a breakdown of the organizational changes that Disney put in place this week that I hope makes sense. So take a listen, and at the end, if you uh, find something like this helpful, well, it'd be great if you shared it out in your LinkedIn, or uh, just uh, shoot me an email, the info's at the end, or just drop a comment on the Instagram or uh, the Wake Up Podcast LinkedIn. Now here's what's afoot at Disney and what it means for the business. So essentially, Disney CEO Bob Chapek has reorganized distribution decision-making responsibilities in regard to all content that Disney produces. It was done in tandem with fully prioritizing their direct-to-consumer business, first and foremost company-wide. That business is better known as Disney+, and uh, Hulu to some extent, ESPN+, uh, still TBD. So going forward, all Disney content creation will now be officially grouped into three divisions, which really aren't radically different from what they are now. There's the Studios division, headed up by the Allens. That would be Alan Horn and Alan Bergman, who will continue to lead all things Disney Studios like Aladdin, Pixar of course, animation like Frozen, and the Star Wars and Marvel franchises. So essentially all movies and franchise tentpole content across film and TV slash streaming genres. The second group is the General Entertainment Group, headed up by Peter Rice, which is basically non-major tentpole stuff for the streaming services, running ABC Signature Studios and the ABC Network, 20th Television and the Cable Networks. And then the third group is All Sports Content and ESPN, run by Jimmy Pitaro. All three, while well, counting the Allens as one person, report directly into CEO Bob Chapek. Now the big change is that these three groups will now no longer ultimately decide where their content goes. Here's Disney CEO Bob Chapek on CNBC on Tuesday. Because essentially what we want to do is separate out the folks who make our wonderful content based on tremendous franchises from the decision making in terms of where the prioritization is in terms of how it gets commercialized into the marketplace. And what we want to do is leave it to a group of folks who can really see objectively across all the constituents that we have the various different considerations that we've got and make the optimal decision for the company as opposed to somehow having it be predetermined that a movie is destined for theaters or that a TV show is destined for ABC. So really what we want to do is provide some level of objectivity and really make it a decision that benefits the overall company and its shareholders. So when Peter Rice gives a green light for a new limited series, say for example, the right stuff, he may be intending it for a certain Disney-owned platform, but ultimately it will not be his decision to make. Instead, that decision will be up to a brand new group who's going to be in charge of content distribution and monetization for everything, from Disney Plus to the cable networks to theatrical movies. And it'll be run by Kareem Daniel, who previously headed up Disney consumer products and games. This new distribution and monetization group will look at each piece of content produced by these three content groups, prioritized of course, and decide which distribution venue gives the company the highest likelihood of making the most revenue, regardless of the intent in which the talent signed onto the project or under which the project was produced. Kareem's group will also run ad sales, the subscription services in general, and the operations side of everything having to do with content. So this is now kind of similar to how NBC Universal has already adjusted their operations, creating groups whose only job is to create content and then a group that oversees where that content goes. Notably though, Universal Pictures and NBC Sports are not really folded into that, as they are in this Disney plan. And back at Disney, Kareem Daniel is now the person who decides whether something like Pixar's Soul goes to movie theaters or to Disney+. Studios co-head Alan Horn is organizationally no longer involved in that decision. 
Kareem Daniel also reports directly into Disney CEO Bob Chapik. So while these kind of content factory models sound great, especially on Wall Street, they're not making cars or computers here. The people involved have egos, status, and image, both talent and executives, which could cause a lot of friction down the line in a structure like this, especially in a post-COVID world, where the decisions will be far less black and white financially. Let's take the movie Aladdin, for example. If Will Smith signs on to star in Aladdin, he signs on with the expectation that it's going to get a full-blown theatrical worldwide release full of press junkets around the world and a very heavy advertising spend, putting Will Smith everywhere for many months at a time. Awesome for Will Smith, and while very expensive for Disney, the movie cleared well over a billion dollars at the box office, so uh, no complaints. But now say Kareem's new group comes in and says, hey, uh, we think Disney can make more money on Aladdin, on SVOD, and driving subscriptions for Disney+, Plus, where it goes live worldwide on one day and we only have to spend this much to promote it. The co-head of the studio's group, Alan Horn, who got Will Smith to do the movie in the first place, may not be too happy with that. But under this new model, it's uh, technically not Alan's final decision to make. Again, keep in mind Bob Chapik's quote on the new strategy. Because essentially what we want to do is separate out the folks who make our wonderful content based on tremendous franchises from the decision making in terms of where the prioritization is in terms of how it gets commercialized into the marketplace. You have to think that Peter Rice, the Allens and Jimmy Pitaro were not crazy about hearing that from their boss. And it's certainly possible that if a few of these situations come up over time, with this new financial group making the decisions, keeping top-level creative executive talent may become challenging. Not to mention getting said actor talent to do another Disney project again. Or conversely, agents may begin to insist on financial penalties in Disney contracts, whereby Disney has to pay an additional high-priced fee if the project does not come out via the method intended when the talent signed on. When you sign on for a Netflix movie, it comes out on Netflix. And maybe a handful of theaters if you're lucky and uh, done and done. At Disney, a movie could come out in theaters or on Disney Plus or Hulu or even a TV network technically. All very different experiences financially and ego-wise. And look, I know this is a lot of what-ifs, but uh, substitute Christopher Nolan for Will Smith in that scenario and you see how complicated it can get real fast. Obviously, Kareem Daniel is not going to come in with a my way or the highway approach. And it remains to be seen what say the content group heads will still have in decisions. I mean, they all still do report into Chapik. But on paper, post-COVID, you can easily see a scenario where a lot of leaked inside stories start coming out of Disney when decisions don't go a certain person's way. Selling movies off to other streaming services has become an accepted practice in COVID, from Greyhound to the Coming to America sequel. But once theaters are an option again, shifting a movie from theatrical to streaming, especially within one's own company, because the numbers say it's the best move, may not always fly so well. I mean, extrapolate the concept to Warner Media for a second. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody in town who would be just as happy with a Max original release for something that was intended for traditional HBO. So while the move is being heavily applauded on Wall Street and by industry analysts, I don't know that the same goes for the virtual halls of talent agencies and talent around town overall. Many things have gotten a pass in a COVID-weakened business, but the theatrical movie business will come back. It may not be exactly the same, and uh, well, who knows what it's going to look like, but it will return, and when it does, it'll come with even more emphasis from talent wanting to support it more than ever, whether audiences return in the same numbers or not. And outside of whatever box office numbers are on the other side of COVID, there's still something very important to the movie-going experience for an actor's career that's very hard to quantify on a spreadsheet. While having major original movies on streaming services is still very young, they've yet to produce a household name or true homegrown breakout movie star by far. 
Disney's moves here are bold and make a good deal of sense in many regards, but it also further turns a creative business built on relationships into more of a pure factory than it already is, with decisions now being made purely by people unattached to projects and is in danger of eradicating the X factor that has created highly unexpected hit sensations and brand new movie stars from projects that, on paper, had nowhere near a guarantee of financial success. Making more decisions based on spreadsheets and financial projections has seldom led to creative or financial success in Hollywood, and I don't know that streaming changes that. In fact, there wouldn't be streaming as we know it if Netflix hadn't taken a gamble that made little financial sense over a decade ago, something that this new Disney distribution and monetization group may want to keep in mind. Okay, time to get off my soapbox. And a couple of dates to keep in mind here. Disney's gonna have their next earnings call in a few weeks, usually around the first week of November. And Chapik also said that more details will be revealed on December 10th at an investor's conference. And Richard Greenfield, who's a noted entertainment analyst, gave a quote on Wednesday, a day after he went on CNBC praising the move, indicating that whatever Bob said on Tuesday may not have gone over so well internally, saying that Alan Horn, Alan Bergman, Peter Rice, and Jimmy Pataro, quote, did not like that the streaming content decisions were being made away from them, or that decision-making was even being shared, going on to say that as part of the restructuring, those core creative teams are now in charge of what content gets made for all of Disney's platforms. So not exactly spelling it out there, but it sounds like some conversations behind the scenes were definitely had after the CNBC appearance. So I think overall, this is a pretty fluid situation, and Bob Chapik has until December 10th to figure it all out. All right, thanks for listening to this, I guess, uh, commentary. If you have any thoughts, uh, shoot me an email, wakeuppodcast at gmail.com. It's uh, spelled out in the episode notes. I'll see you in the morning. Mm-hmm.